True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. It's Miller time. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, May 3rd. Frank Stample joined by Scott White today on the show. Going to recap all of Tuesday's action. Those Millers, they were out and they were about and they were both awesome. Brandon Fott is finally getting the call. He'll make his debut on Wednesday, a Welsh Wednesday. <laughs> Keep the streak alive. You love to see it. We're going to fire up the worryometer and much more. Before we get started, please like this video, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. If you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five star rating. We really appreciate it. Let's jump right in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. All right, a little Dave Niehaus because, Scott, you're getting us started here. With the uh, Mariners pitching prospect who looked pretty awesome. Yeah, take your pick which Miller you're going to go with here for the oh my goodness gracious player of the day. I'm going with Bryce. Bryce in his debut. Who, uh, how deep did he have a no hitter going? He ended up allowing, he ended up allowing two hits in six innings. He took it into, Stri- the, into the sixth inning. Yeah, there were like competing no hitters between Bryce and <laughs> yeah. Mason. And, and Mason ended up allowing no hits in seven innings. But anyway, back to Bryce. He ended up allowing two, one earned run in six innings, struck out 10, walked nobody. It was about as dominant of a debut as you could ask for. It came at Oakland. So we'll, we'll start with that. He had a very plush matchup there to begin his career. The, the, the same matchup where constantly having to point out it seems like because players have ridiculous performances against that team so there's that the the other thing that kind of gives me pause here is he threw 70 percent fastballs 
That's a really good fastball. Uh, of his 13 whiffs, 11 came on that fastball. I mean, how, how could they not? He was throwing it 70% of the time. But as I've pointed out pretty often recently, I've had occasion to say this, when a pitcher is capable of getting whiffs on his fastball, that is a sign of a high ceiling. Uh, because not many pitchers can do that regularly with that pitch. But it's 70% of the time that he threw it. So, like, is there enough of an arsenal here? Now, the slider is apparently earns pretty high marks in his own right. He doesn't have to turn to it often. It certainly didn't in his debut here. You know, it it does make you wonder how this is going to play in the long run. Does he have a diverse enough arsenal when he takes on a good lineup when the league's seen him a couple times to, uh, to continue doing this? That said... You know, there was a time when we said the same thing about Spencer Strider. Part of what makes Bryce Miller's fastball so effective isn't just that he throws it hard. And, you know, he, he peaked at 97 in this one. He didn't get to the triple digits that we've known him to do in the past. So we, the fastball wasn't even at his hardest in this start. But part of the reason it makes it so effective is that Bryce Miller has a low release point. So he gets that vertical approach angle that causes hitters to swing under it. And that is like the optimal pitch design in the modern game and uh, a key to getting swings and misses on your fastball. So it's, it's a really good pitch and he throws it hard. And at least in this start, he threw it for strikes. His walk rates in the minors and a bit on the high side. So that's another thing I'm not sure we can count on Bryce Miller to do regularly is walk nobody. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is very impressive debut. Impressive enough that, yes, you should pick him up everywhere you can. He's sticking around for a while. We know that. But there are some reasons for pause, and it doesn't... I'm I'm not ready to conclude that Bryce Miller is your savior, necessarily, even if you obviously have to add him. Yeah, and he is widely available, as you mentioned, Scott, only 19% rostered for Bryce Miller. So even if you play in deeper leagues, I understand firsthand how desperate people are for starting pitching right now. So yeah, uh, especially in those deeper formats, I think you want to go out there and make sure you add Bryce Miller. I like that point that you made about the low release point and the vertical approach angle. Uh, That is the same type of fastball that Joe Ryan throws, and that's how he's so effective. And mind you, Joe Ryan this year has a velocity uptick, and he's sitting around 92, 93 miles per hour. Bryce Miller has this vertical approach angle, and he he was sitting 95 in this one. So it could turn out to be a really, really effective fastball, which you pointed out here, Scott. I hate to come on here and like throw cold water on everything. It's like, obviously, we're excited about these two guys, but we have to keep things in perspective. And again, worth mentioning that this Oakland A's lineup is very bad. And with that, let's talk about Mason Miller on the other side of this one because he was going up against the Mariners and he threw seven no hit innings in this one. He was not perfect. He did walk four, only threw 54 of his 100 pitches for strikes in this one. Six strikeouts total, 13 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. But what I really liked is the hard contact was down. I remember last time out against the Angels, Mason Miller allowed like 11 hard hits, 100 mile per hour average exit velocity against. And he changed the pitch mix in this one. Wasn't as fastball reliant, used the slider and the cutter more, and the slider was very good in this outing. Six swinging strikes on that pitch, 46% CSW for Mason Miller's slider. Um, The velocity was down too, worth mentioning. It was down quite a bit. I mean, the fastball down 1.9 miles per hour, the slider down 
uh, nearly two miles per hour as well for Mason Miller. It was raining early on in that start, so maybe that had something to do with it. You know, Scott, I was going to get on here and say, well, maybe him throwing, um, you know, taking a few ticks off helped with his control, but <laughs> he walked yeah. four and he only threw 54 uh, strikes out of 100 pitches. So I can't use that excuse, but all in all, Mason Miller was much more effective in this start. Like you did for Bryce, I'm going to point out, there was no Julio Rodriguez in the lineup for the Mariners. So this isn't the same Mariners lineup that we're used to, obviously, when you take uh, a big bat like that out of their lineup. He's up to 69% rostered, Scott, and I think the obvious question here is, who would you rather have, Mason Miller or Bryce Miller? I'd rather have Bryce because, as you pointed out, there are reasons to undercut what Mason did here as well. The, the, the fact that his most thrown pitches, his two most thrown pitches, were both down two miles per hour. And it didn't have the tangible effect of improving his control. So it wasn't, it doesn't appear to have been by design. Uh, that's reason enough to say, okay, what's going on here? He was effective in spite of it. It was the most effective we've seen him in the majors so far. And I think the best thing we can say about this Mason Miller start is that, okay, the idea that he's never going to be allowed to go five or six innings is clearly out the window. He went seven. It's the most the deepest he've gone. He's gone into a start in his entire professional career, which is not very long, obviously. And when I say professional career, I mean minors included. Deepest he's ever gone. So that's you know he's it, that band aid is off. He's gone seven innings now. How consistently will he do it remains to be seen. But he's done it this one time, and so we can at least take that away from this. Mason Miller start. But yeah, I don't know what was going on with the velocity. The control has still been pretty bad. Uh, you know, 13 whiffs on 100 pitches, it's a fine whiff rate, like a season-long whiff rate. But if that's what you're doing in your very best start, I'm not especially wowed by that. So I still have a lot of questions about Mason Miller, and I don't think I'd go as far as to say he is must roster. Bryce Miller, yeah, pick him up everywhere. Mason Miller, it'd be nice to have him. But in shallower leagues, you know, he, he may get squeezed out. He does pitch for the A's after all. And, and I, I saw a funny stat. Yeah, I guess I guess it's still intact because Mason Miller didn't get the win here. <laughs> there hasn't been an A's starting pitcher who's collected a win. That's true. Since Bryce Harper had Tommy John surgery. Bryce Harper <laughs> came back today from Tommy John surgery. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's, Which, of course, just means this year, no ace yeah. pitchers. But it's, you know, usually Tommy John is such a long recovery that it makes it all the more shocking. That is a funny way to phrase it, too. Um, yeah, it's tough because I picked up Mason Miller in a few spots. So, obviously, I'm rooting for the kid. Like, I, I want him to do well. This start was awesome. But I think I agree. I, I think you got to go with Bryce Miller. The team context, right? Burying the lead here. Mason Miller threw seven no-hit innings and got pulled and his team wound up losing the game. <laughs> yeah, It's the most yeah. Oakland A's thing possible. So even, like, there was nothing more that he could do outside of maybe try to throw a complete game, but at 100 pitches after seven, that just wasn't realistic. They weren't going to bring Mason Miller out for more. So, I mean, this this is the limitation. But, you know, obviously when he's on, he's he's pretty good. Like, obviously this stuff is 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 pretty nasty for Mason Miller. Uh, but I, I do agree. I think I'd rather have... Bryce Miller, and there are other pitching prospects that have emerged, right? We keep talking, we're going to talk about Brandon Fott in just a little bit. He's 
more available than Mason Miller is. So maybe that's a swap that you would want to make. Or uh, even Tanner Bybee, he made his second start of the season on Tuesday. He's 71% rostered. That's almost the same as Mason Miller. I would rather have Bybee than Mason Miller as well. So Mm -hmm. as much as we do like these two guys, just, you know, Keep it in perspective. Yeah, you, are, are we being too negative here? These two uh, we might young be. upstarts we might having be. a taking a no hitter battle into the sixth inning. It was awesome. Like. It, it really it was a great <laughs> start. So it was a great game to watch too. I'm like just, a throw I'm just back. a negative person right now. <laughs> Nothing is going right. And even when even when a pitcher comes through with an incredible performance this year, he's followed it up with a complete dumper and. Uh, I just don't I just don't trust anything anymore. I don't trust anybody or anything. Don't touch me. I, I think it's good to keep it in perspective though. Like, yes, these were great starts and it was a very fun game to watch. I watched the entire thing. Um, probably not fun if you're an Oakland A's fan. But uh overall, yes, I think we have to again, perspective is that that key word that we keep going back to. Let's liven it up a little bit here, Scott. Give a oh my goodness gracious shout out to my man. Willie Calhoun. <laughs> How about Willie Calhoun? A go-ahead home run in the seventh inning. His first home run with the New York Yankees. What a stud. But what I actually wanted to talk about with the Yankees is what I ranted about yesterday. And Aaron Boone, I'm not a genius, buddy. But all you got to do is listen to me. Because Michael King <laughs> converted a five-out save. Zero hits, one walk, three strikeouts to lock down the win for the Yankees. Again, he's, in my opinion, clearly been the best reliever in that bullpen this year. Some have pointed this out to me, Scott, so I wanted to bring it up to you first and foremost because I'm getting lots of questions. Do I drop this closer for Michael King? Do I drop this guy? I don't know if we can go that far yet. Michael King is routinely used for multiple innings at a time, and Mm. after he's used, he's been routinely given multiple days off. So I don't know when we're going to see Michael King pitch again, and I don't know that he's all of a sudden the Yankees' closer. I, I think he's their best yeah. reliever. I don't trust the Yankees to just, okay, they're going to push Clay Holmes aside. In fact, Aaron Boone did the opposite before Tuesday's game. He actually gave a vote of confidence to Clay Holmes. He's like, yeah, he's still our closer, and he's still the guy. But I guess they were just giving him off you know, the night off here because obviously he was not very good on Monday. Um, so- well, and they had already brought King into the game, and this seems to be King's niche is uh, going – entering a game and just going as long as he can. So he may get some saves that way just from the point he enters, he doesn't leave and it happens to be a safe situation. So he winds up with a save, but I, I think it's pretty unlikely he's going to become the straight up closer at any point. I wouldn't rule it out, but I think for the time being, it's unlikely, but I wouldn't, I'll, I won't rule I'll, it out. I'll, all your love to the test with this because you, you mentioned people are asking, Oh, should I drop this closer for Michael King? This closer. Would you drop a Roldis Chapman? Another non-closer who we think very likely to step into the role at some point. Would you drop a Roldis Chapman for Michael King? That's a good one. And I think I would just because... Actually, I know Scott Barlow's overall numbers haven't been good either. But he's been better as of late. Clay, Scott Barlow and Clay Holmes are going in opposite directions right now. Like Scott Barlow has gotten better. So I think that's kind of made it less likely for a role as Chapman, whereas I think it's more likely for Michael King. So yes, I would make that swap. Um, Craig Kimbrell was a question that I got. I'm like, I don't know. He kind of seems like a pseudo Phillies closer right now too. What do you think about that one, Scott? I'd be more likely to drop Kimbrell than Chapman. Uh, 
I would not drop Chapman for King. Okay. I might drop Kimbrell for King. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would drop Kimbrell for King. So if I'm ranking these non-closers, I would go Chapman, King, Kimbrell. Yeah, I think I would put King at the top of the list right now, but um, just because I, I think there's more of a chance of him just taking over as the closer. I Again, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Someone asked me, do, you, do I drop Clay Holmes straight up for Michael King? And I'm like, I don't think so. I, I don't think you can do that as much as I like him, and it kind of feels like I'm backtracking, but... We just don't know. We just don't know right now. Would you do that? Would you drop Clay Holmes for Michael King? No. No, I don't I don't think I would either. Let's move over to Brandon Fott, who will finally make his debut. I say finally, right? Like he did have to work through some things. It's not like he's been completely dominant in the minors, but it it feels like we've heard about this possibility of Brandon Fott making his debut for weeks now, but it's actually gonna happen on Wednesday, going up against the Texas Rangers in five starts at AAA this year, Fott had a 3.91 ERA, 1.18 whip, 30 strikeouts over 25 and a third innings pitched. He is up to 63% rostered. Next, uh, would you rather, Scott, is Brandon Fott or Tanner Bybee, who went into Yankee Stadium, five and a third, two earned runs, five strikeouts to zero walks. He has walked zero over his first two professional starts. Brandon Fott or Tanner Bybee? I will continue to imbibe Bybee rather than turning to Fott. Fott is already pretty rostered, as you know, Frank. And this is exciting. And, and let me explain why it's exciting, because a lot of people have been like, oh, is this guy really good? His minor league numbers don't seem that impressive. I think the most impressive thing I could say about Brandon Fott is that at once he got called up to AAA Reno last year in the PCL, especially difficult place to pitch, very high elevation in Reno. Uh, he had a 2.63 ERA in 10 starts at AAA Reno. That's the same at at, at that same affiliate where Brandon Fott had the 2.63 ERA. Dre Jameson had an ERA over six, and Ryan Nelson had an ERA over five. And Dre Jameson was coming out here at 263 ERA again. This year in five starts back at AAA Reno. Given that context, his 391 ERA is also pretty impressive. Another very impressive stat I can offer up about Brandon Fott is that last year, that year that he finished at AAA Reno, he had 218 strikeouts total between double and triple A. It's the most strikeouts for any minor league pitcher since 2001. 2001. That's a couple decades. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's ability here for Fods. I, I am a little reluctant to say, call him the savior either, just because... You know, we've gotten burned so many times with, with, uh, in pursuit of the next savior, particularly this year with all the rookies who have let us down. But there is definite upside here with Fod. Like he's, he's done some impressive things in the minor leagues. I think the ceiling is higher than for Dre Jameson, let's say, who at one point, you know, when he got installed in the rotation, he was the hot pickup off the waiver wire. So definitely Fod needs to be rostered, even if his, Major League debut against a tough Rangers lineup goes poorly. I, I don't think we should abandon thought at that point. 
but it may be a bumpy ride just because that's how it goes for rookies in general and how it's been going, especially of late. Did you have anything you wanted to add on Bybee's start here on Tuesday night? No, it was good. <laughs> Two good starts in a row. Uh, I, I, I will note that the, the whiff rate has been a little underwhelming given the, the prospect stature and how good, how highly the stuff rates. It's been a little underwhelming. So, the, you know, I'm nitpicking there considering that he's actually come up and delivered on his potential so far. I'd be thrilled to roster him. I don't think I actually have him anywhere. I got bid. I got outbid in all my leagues this weekend for Tanner Bybee. But uh, he's off to a nice start, and uh, I suspect he's going to keep going to keep starting every fifth day for the Guardians. Last question here on the pitching prospects. Taj Bradley, his most recent start in the minors, he allowed eight, eight earned runs in one inning of work. Are you dropping him for any of these names? Bybee, Fott, Millers. I would drop him for Bybee, Fott, or Bryce Miller. I would not drop him for Mason Miller. And I kind of want to blame the Rays for like ruining his confidence and he went down there and he got shelled. I don't know if that's actually the case, but that is the latest story that I'm telling in my head. I, I mean, it certainly wouldn't be the first instance of a guy who felt like he had earned his keep in the majors being sent down and immediately just stinking it up because, yeah. I mean, maybe it's just coincidental in this case and a lot of them, but you, you can't help but wonder if there is a psychological, you know, kind of a, kind of a pouting effect not that I'd blame him, but just like it's only human that you might not have the same level of conviction you did before. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Let's take our first break. When we return, we'll get into a few other waiver wire decisions. Lamont Wade is quietly hitting the ball very well. Harold Ramirez had another big game. We'll talk about all that right after this. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. 
Welcome back, and just a reminder to download and follow Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. That is our five-minute podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We usually take the biggest news of the day or the hottest player, and we talk about that for five minutes or so. So if you just can't catch this podcast for whatever reason, uh, you can find Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 if you're watching us live. we got a QR code in the top right corner, so you can scan that, and that'll take you right to the podcast feed. A few waiver wire decisions, Scott, between these two first base slash outfielders, who would you rather have between Lamont Wade, who didn't do anything crazy on Tuesday, but just thought I'd point out, he has 22 walks to 21 strikeouts, a 16% barrel rate, and he's hitting the ball harder than ever before, has started seven straight games. Would you rather have Lamont Wade or Harold Ramirez, who went two for three with his sixth home run of the season? It, the the playing time recently has been disappointing for Harold Ramirez. It seemed for a while there like he was becoming close to a full-timer for the Rays. And now, I believe this was just his fourth start in seven games. Correct. Even though his numbers remain phenomenal, and he's a right-handed batter, so it's not like he's an obvious sit against lefties. Wade, on the other hand, you mentioned he started seven straight, but he is a left-handed batter, and the Giants, more than any other team probably, like to move hitters in and out of the lineup. Uh, one of those seven starts, I will point out, was against a lefty for Wade, but I don't think that's going to be something that becomes regular for him. So I'll still take Ramirez, but they're pretty close. It might be format-dependent for me, like in a head-to-head points league, given that crazy walk rate, the on-base skills for Lamont Wade, I might lean with him or if in any type of OBP format, but in just Roto or categories, you know, I, I think Harold Ramirez on a per game basis probably will be better than Lamont Wade. It's hard to imagine that Wade's going to maintain a walk rate over 20% anyway. Probably not, but he typically has had a good eye, right? At the plate or am I making that? Uh, I mean, no, <laughs> <laughs> it was 10% last year. Yeah, 10% is pretty good. But that was the highest over any real sample. Yeah, so this is pretty massive for him. He's had a 21% walk rate so far. That is Lamont Wade. A few middle infielders. We're talking, you know, if you're in a 12-team Roto League or deeper and you need a middle infielder, something like that. Uh, Ezekiel Duran stays hot. There's there's just something about that name right now. Duran, Duran, both those guys, red hot uh, for the Rangers and the Red Sox, respectively. He went three for four with a double and his third home run of the season. He is now batting 328 with an 879 OPS, has shortstop, third base, outfield eligibility. Or C.J. Abrams went three for three with an RBI, two runs scored, actually had a batted ball. 108.9 108.9 exit velocity, which I thought was uh, very encouraging for C.J. Abrams. Who would you rather have between those two, Scott? I'd rather have Duran. He's in a much better lineup. He's capable of doing more than Abrams, I think, hitting for power, as we saw in this game. I'm very skeptical that Duran is going to be a long-term fantasy option for you, but he's the hot hand right now at a position where it's hard to find certainly in deeper leagues, it's hard to find alternatives on the waiver wire, so I don't mind using him in that context. Do any of these pitching performances matter? These are the players that are uh, widely available outside of the prospects, which we t- talked about earlier. Uh, Michael Kopech had a big bounce-back start. I, you know, Big in that he didn't allow, he only allowed one hit over six innings, but he still had five walks, seven strikeouts up against the Minnesota Twins. Hayden Wesneski, a solid start at the Nationals. Six innings, one run, two strikeouts, zero walks. I don't really know what happened to Wesneski this year, Scott, but it was like spring training ended 
and some kind of switch just kind of flipped for Wesneski because he keeps changing up the pitch mix and he's not getting whiffs. I, I think he's just really searching and trying to find something right now. Uh, Michael Waka, solid start up against the Reds. Six shutout with three strikeouts for him. Do any of those matter? Waka, Wesneski, Michael Kopech. I mean, worth pointing out, it was a really good matchup for Wesneski, and he has another one coming up to end this week. He has gotten better in terms of run prevention, but they're, he's not getting any strikeouts at all. So I, I have a hard time staying invested in West Nesky beyond just the streamability of this week with the favorable matchups. Kopech is kind of doing some interesting things, throwing that fastball a ton and getting pretty good whiffs with it, but the walks are just way too high to take him seriously at this point. In five of his six starts, he's had three walks or more. And uh, as you mentioned, five in this start. And then Waka, it was a great start. You know, two hits in six innings. He had another start earlier this year, two hits in six innings. But then the other four starts, all an ERA over six. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, I can't, I can't invest in that, no matter how good he looked in this particular start. In the deepest of leagues, Scott, do either of these names matter? Dominic Fletcher the brother of one David Fletcher. He is up with the Diamondbacks and does have some prospect pedigree. He went two for three with a walk and an RBI last year in the minors. He hit 312, 12 homers, 35 doubles, nine steals, and 864 OPS. The other name here is Connor Wong with the Red Sox. Four for four with a double dong. He had four hard hit balls, one of those, 113.6 exit velocity, and has started seven of the last 10 games for the Red Sox. Anything here, Scott? I mean, we're talking the deepest of leagues. Dominic Fletcher, Connor Wong. Well, I don't know that we are talking the deepest of leagues for Connor Wong. I, 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 if he's going to start this regularly for the Red Sox, then I think any two-catcher league yeah. is probably worth looking into. He's been very hot now. I mean, it's a short stretch, but it's very hot. Not only did he have the two home runs here on Tuesday in a four for four game last three games, nine for 12 with three home runs is ra- He's raised his batting average from 180 to 290. Just in those three games, his av- average exit velocity, 75th percentile max av- exit velocity, 85th percentile. So he's legitimately hitting the ball hard and he's a catcher. So, in any two-catcher league, I think he's probably worth looking into at this point. I'm, I'm skeptical he'll turn into anything worthwhile for one-catcher leagues. But I, I think it's, you know, I, I think he has his place at this point. Earned his seat at the table. <laughs> All right, let's get into some news and notes. And first and foremost, awesome news as Liam Hendricks will begin a minor league rehab assignment on Wednesday. I assume they're going to give him as much time as he needs. So within the next couple of weeks, I, if everything goes all right, I assume that we're going to get Liam Hendricks back as the White Sox closer, which again is just fantastic news. Thankfully, Ronald Acuna was back in the lineup after that hit by pitch on his shoulder. I believe he stole a base in that game as well. So all is well with Ronald Acuna. Julio Rodriguez was scratched from the lineup Tuesday due to that recurring back soreness. Aaron Judge hit in the batting cage and is hopeful his IL stint will be a minimum stay. So, kind of positive. Glass half full. We'll see where it goes. Salvador Perez is day-to-day after leaving with a contusion on his middle finger. He did smack two home runs. 
before he left that mm-hmm. game. So, uh, so thank goodness it was just a contusion of that middle finger. Remember this happened last year, though, Scott? It was like every time Salvador Perez would get hurt, he would like have a monster game. It, it feels like it yeah. always happens that way. I don't, I don't know why. It's very interesting. I just like that he got a bruise on the very instrument that is used to bruise others. <laughs> that is right. That is a... As a, a strong boy there, Salvador Perez. Bryce Harper was batting third in his season debut. He finished 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. A nice little, hey, welcome back. No rehab assignment. you got to face Julio Arias on maybe his best start of the season to date. Jose Altuve fielded grounders on Tuesday, his first baseball activity since thumb surgery uh, in March. Probably looking at like a late May, early June return, hopefully, for Jose Altuve. That lineup has gone pretty cold, too, so they can definitely use him. Corbin Carroll has missed two straight with that knee contusion. Uh, I didn't see any news on the MRI results, Scott. Did you see anything for Corbin Carroll? No, just that he was out of the lineup. Weird. Hmm, interesting. Carlos Rodon's back is still bothering him and affecting his mechanics. His pitching arm is actually fine at this point. Elbow, shoulder... Good to go, but for whatever reason, his back is still giving him uh, issues. Aaron Boone gave Clay Holmes a vote of confidence, which I mentioned earlier, saying the closer is, quote, in a good spot and can keep and can get through this. Uh, Holmes now has a walk per nine up over five after yesterday's uh, Monday's outing, rather. Um, And you know how I feel about that. All of Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez and Andrew Benintendi were back in the lineup Tuesday. Louis Varland will officially start on Wednesday against the White Sox. He's 8% rostered for those who need pitching in deeper leagues. Adam Wainwright is lined up to make his season debut Saturday against the Tigers. 51% rostered. Scott, any interest in Adam Wainwright? Uh, Not yet. No, it's, it was pretty bad last year. I could see him being streamable at some point. I did find here from the Arizona Republic on Corbin Carroll. Tori Lavillo, the manager, said he is continuing to check boxes and show us the signs that he is feeling good and he's healthy. He's getting close. He's getting very close. All right. It's, <laughs> you know, it's better than bad news, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think f- it's... I think I think he's going to avoid an IL stint. I think, yeah. and hopefully, be back this week at some point. Yep. Harrison Bader was activated and was batting fifth in the Yankees lineup. There was a report on Monday that Kenley Jansen was available following a back injury this weekend. Turns out that was a complete lie, and that Jansen was also not available on Tuesday either. It had a save opportunity, and it went to Josh Winkowski. Astros starting pitcher Luis Garcia was placed on the IL due to right elbow discomfort. Oscar Colas was optioned back to AAA. An obvious miss for us thus far, Scott. I know someone we liked as a sleeper this season. Are you dropping Colas in all non-keeper dynasty leagues? Yeah, probably. And I mean, the writing was on the wall here. They had mostly stopped playing him. Yeah. And you're just not going to keep a a player at this stage of development. You're just you're not just going to plant him on the bench, so it makes sense that they sent him down. On the subject of outfielders who've been sent down, by the way, uh, uh, you you mentioned Dominic Fletcher earlier coming up for the Diamondbacks, and I, I don't have a lot of hope for him in fantasy because what however good his numbers look in the minors the past two years, remember it's at places like AAA Reno. True, uh, but it's interesting that when they needed an outfielder, they brought him rather than bringing Jake McCarthy back. 
And McCarthy's been hitting well at AAA. So I just find that interesting. Did McCarthy's did he spend the minimum time down required before getting called back up? Because that might have been the reason why. Good question. I will check now. So at AAA, uh, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. He's off to a 6-for-17 start there with a home run and a double. Okay. And I know they were they, they said that he had some... They, they felt like he wasn't swinging with enough conviction, like he was just swinging to put bat to ball, basically, and not... Not uh, not not swinging with the force he did last year. So that was what he what they wanted him to work on at AAA. The fact he has good numbers there again is AAA Reno. So I don't I don't even know how much to read into that. But yeah, it is interesting that Fletcher's the one up right now. Mm-hmm. That's Jake McCarthy again, uh, a name to watch in you know deeper category leagues. If if he was dropped in your league, I'd, I'm not saying go out and add him now, but uh, just throw him on the scout team. Michael Garcia was recalled from AAA by the Royals. He was batting just 242 with four steals in the minors, but was much better last year. Hit 285 with 11 home runs, 39 steals in the minors. He's 4% rostered. He's another name. I don't think you need to add him yet, but he's someone to watch and has a lot of speed. So uh, if you play in those deeper category leagues, the name is Michael Garcia. Testing on Ronaldo Lopez's right biceps came back negative, and he's expected to avoid an IL stint for now. Herman Marquez is set to undergo Tommy John surgery. Scott, let's fire up the worryometer. I've got two, four, six hitters here on the list that I keep getting questions about, and for a lot of them, rightfully so. We'll start off with Dalton Varsho. Of course, the day that I chose him was the day that he hit a three-run home run, so uh, maybe signs of turning it around, but... The triple slash right now for Varsho, 198, 295, 330 slugging percentage. The expected numbers are terrible. The average exit velocity, he's someone that typically does not hit the ball hard. It's down even more than it has been in years past. Uh, the pull rate is also down for Dalton Varsho. Your worryometer level on him. It's pretty low. And, and like a lot of it's because he's catcher eligible. And, and so how much better are you going to do than him? I'll put it at like a two. I, I think the fact that he he his average exit velocity is first percentile right now shows that he's just kind of not on it right now. He has hit the hardest ball of his career already this year. So like the max exit velocity, 89th percentile, like that's that's a good sign for Varsho. The plate discipline seems fine. He's run when he's gotten on base five steals already. I think you're going to be pretty happy with Varsho still in the long run. Jose Abreu went 0 for 3 and is now batting 230 with a 260 on base, 262 slugging percentage. He has four extra base hits all season. And this is a, this is not a typo, Scott. This is a fact. Jose Abreu has one home run since August 4th of last season. 85 games. He has hit one home run. That includes Tuesday. Your worryometer level for Abreu. Mm, that is quite the drought, isn't it? It's a little higher. It's it's probably about a four, maybe maybe a four point five for Jose Abreu because he is thirty six years years old, because he did disappoint us with the home run output last year. Like as as with Dalton Varsho. Like it's clear he's not hitting the ball. He hasn't hit the ball with the same consistency. Like his max exit velocity, 
is close enough to normal, but his average exit velocity is way down, which tells me he's just like, he's just not on it yet. It's such a small sample still. It's a small enough sample still that it's reasonable to think that's being skewed by it the same way a batting average might be skewed by it. And so I, I still have him in my top 10 first baseman for the rest of the season, for instance. But I, I'm less confident in Abreu given the stage he's, in his, he's at in his career. Like I'm less confident he's going to turn things around than somebody like Varsho. Yeah, I was updating the first base rankings on Tuesday, and I moved Abreu behind both Vinny Pasquantino and Nate Lowe. So still inside the top 10, but you know those guys have performed better so far this year. And it was close enough coming into the season where you know one slow month for Abreu and one good month for those guys. Uh, I'm okay making that swap. Anthony Rizzo, that was I was like kind of debating it, but I, I haven't made that, that swap is, yet. So that is right where I have him now. I already had Pasquantino ahead of Abreu from the beginning, but I moved him between Low and Rizzo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this next one, Juan Soto. I know we get cue the email, Scott. I'm sure they're rolling in already about Juan Soto or Juan Sucko, whatever you want to call him. Two for four with two doubles and an RBI on Tuesday night. And uh, the expected numbers are unimpressive. 242 XBA, 473 X slug. He's still hitting the ball really hard. 93.2 average exit velocity, the second highest barrel rate of his career. But there's just other weird things that are going on that I, frankly, I, I don't know how to explain. His strikeout rate is a career high. His ground ball rate is a career high, 57.7%. His line drive rate entering Tuesday was 5.6%. That almost seems impossible to have a line drive rate <laughs> that low. Uh, and he's p- pulling the ball more than ever before. So something has changed like with his approach, pulling the ball and more ground balls. And you know maybe he's like in between of like trying to raise the launch angle and not. And I don't know. He just, he just seems like he's in a funk, kind of like that Jose Ramirez funk that we saw a couple of years back as well. Uh, your worryometer level on Juan Soto. I kind of want to go one just for the statement of it. Right. I'll go two. I'll go two because it, he had his his whole time with the Padres last year where he obviously was a major disappointment then as well. I As we brought up earlier in the season, we were talking about Juan Soto. Jose Ramirez had like a full calendar year where he hit about 180, I think it was. Uh, it was the end of one season and the beginning of the next season, sort of like Soto's going through. So if you just look at his year-by-year breakdown, you're going to be like, when did that happen to Jose Ramirez? But it happened, and people were freaking out because it was a lot worse than what Juan Soto's done over a shorter period of time here. And I, But I think it's a similar situation. I didn't lose faith in Ramirez then. I haven't lost faith in Juan Soto now. I will point out three straight multi-hit games for him. He is eight for... Uh, eight for 18 in his past five games with three doubles and a homer. So hopefully that's the beginning of him climbing out of it. Uh, he's got to figure it out. I'm confident in that. Yeah, and that, you know, not the entire lineup because Bogarts, well, I guess really just Bog- Bogarts is the only one that's performing so far, right? But like if they all start clicking at the same time, we're talking about fireworks here and crazy amounts of counting stats and Machado and Soto and Tatis and Bogarts and Cronenworth and all these guys kind of clicking at the same time. And if that happens, like 
man, it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun for fantasy. So uh, I would still be looking to buy low on Juan Soto, but I assume most people who have him don't want to hear that. Uh, but I'm sorry. Uh, Nolan Arenado went 0 for 3. He is now batting 233 on the season. Strikeout rate is a career high. His ground ball rate is a career high. And he's someone who routinely hits lots of fly balls. He pulls them and he just gets every ounce out of his skill set, Scott. And right now, that is not the case for Arenado. He, something happened in the WBC and I looked it up just now. So I remember he was like dealing with some kind of injury. He got hit on his hand by a pitch in, during the World Baseball Classic. And I wonder if it's just like still kind of affecting him. I know we're a month in. I'm just I'm looking for an excuse for him, I guess. But it wouldn't surprise me if that's the reason. Your worryometer level on Arenado. Well, I gotta say this this segment is revelatory to me in a way because <laughs> these are all a bunch of players I have a ton of shares in. So it might explain <laughs> why. <laughs> yeah, particularly in the roto leagues where I'm, I'm doing okay in the head-to-head points leagues, but the like I'm just getting crushed in all but the league specific roto formats. Um and I have a lot of these guys, so maybe that's why. Hopefully, hopefully they do actually turn it around. And I do think Arenado will as well. I mean, there there's such an extensive track record here, and he's proven multiple times over that he isn't just a product of Coors Field. He's able to be a high impact player in St. Louis as well. I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable theory. What happened to him in in the WBC? Because it was a scary moment, and uh, we were all thinking he probably fractured his hands. It, it hand. It turned out it didn't. He didn't. Uh, but even if that is the case, that his hand isn't one hundred percent right now, it will be. It will be soon enough, and I think he'll take off and deliver the usual Nolan Arenado like numbers. We'll look back. We won't look back at this because by the time like July gets here, his numbers will just look pretty normal and we'll have forgotten all about this little episode. What a crazy start for the St. Louis Cardinals. They are 10 and 20. They're in last place in the National League Central, which is like a month into the season is almost impossible to fathom. Two other outfielders on this list, Scott. Taylor Ward, who actually hit his fourth home run of the season on Tuesday. He's batting just 209 overall. Lars Nupar, my boy, 0 for 2 with a walk and a strikeout. He's batting 213, uh, 231 rather, and he's got a 412 on base. So he's walking a ton. He's also hitting an absurd amount of ground balls, 71% ground ball rate for Lars Nupar. Uh, your worryometer level on Taylor Ward and Lars Nupar. Yeah, it's still too early, I think, to be that worried. I'll go. I mean, Ward. I Ward had only earned so much confidence in the first place, given the way his breakout season broke down. So I'll go. I don't know. I guess I'll go five. Like it's. I'm not worried enough to move on from him, even in three outfielder leagues. But I, I don't really feel confident I know who he is either. Mm-hmm. He did hit a three-run homer here on Tuesday, so maybe that'll be the start of a turnaround. Lars Newbar, I, I think Lars Newbar deserves a lot of benefit of the doubt because remember, he missed two weeks with a thumb injury basically right at the start of the season. So he has half the sample of anyone else right now. <clears throat> of anyone else right now. And... I think the most encouraging thing is that he started every single game for the Cardinals since he got back. I mean, even last year when he was beginning to break through, they were sitting him often against lefties. I guess they've only faced two lefties during that stretch, but 
Oh, you know what? Hang on. I overlooked. He, he did sit against one of the two lefties he faced. Mm. They faced. I got it wrong. Newpar has started every game but one since returning, and one of the ones he sat out was against one of the two lefties the Cardinals faced. So that, that makes me wonder. That makes me wonder. But, you know, still walking a ton, like you said, and the sample is too small, I think, to, to make anything of it, really. All right. So, again, six hitters there that overall... Again, we're only a month into the season. I know typically, Scott, the date is like Memorial Day. We get to the end of May, early June, and it's like, all right, now we got to start making some like legitimate decisions. Two-month sample of data there. Uh, and obviously, we'll, we'll keep doing this um, up until we get to that point. Let's take our final break, and when we return, we'll get into some leftovers here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome back, and a shout-out to everyone watching us live. It is past 1 a.m. Eastern Time, and 571 people are here watching us live on YouTube, so we do appreciate you, and if you can, please like this video, subscribe if you haven't already. Sub-pitching leftover, Scott, I'm just going to go kind of rapid-fire, mention a name, and uh, if you have any comments or anything we'll we'll break it down joe ryan was awesome once again he was at the white Sox, six shutout one hit allowed two walks seven strikeouts in that one anything on joe ryan yeah i think the secondary arsenal he's built particularly the splitter that he didn't even have prior to this year is i think it's made him near invincible because that fastball was already so good that fastball might have been all he needed but that that splitter he got seven of his 14 whiffs in this start on the splitter. He came into this start the the batting average against on that splitter was 139. So it's it's been another impossible pitch for hitters and uh straight to the moon here for Joe Ryan, I would say. How much more do you need to see Scott before you move someone like Joe Ryan ahead of Alec Manoa who's struggled all season or Shane Bieber who we're like kind of iffy on right now? Yeah, that's a good question, and I struggle with that as I update my rankings. So I, I, 
at my latest update earlier this afternoon, so it was before this this most recent Joe Ryan start. I moved Ryan up to twenty seventh, and I have Manoa still twentieth now. So they're getting close. Uh, I might move Ryan up a little more after this start. I might move him up to twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. So that would be even closer. And yeah, it 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 might just take one more start from each of them if if they continue to veer in opposite directions. Yeah, because this is my range as well. I have Bieber at SP twenty two, Manoa at twenty three. I have Rodon at 24. I think I'm going to drop him a little bit because he keeps suffering these setbacks. And then you get into a group of like Kershaw, Pablo Lopez, and Joe Ryan. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) that group has been really good too. Joe Ryan has been even better than Pablo Lopez. So probably going to move him uh, just ahead of Lopez as well. Garrett Cole has now allowed two earned runs or fewer in all seven starts this season. Uh, I don't know that there's much else to add, Scott. The swinging strikes have been a little underwhelming at times this year, but... Uh, two of those low swinging strike totals were against the Guardians, a team that A, makes a lot of contact, and B, has seen Garrett Cole quite a bit. Yeah, his slider specifically hasn't been as overwhelming as it normally is. The whiff rate on that pitch is way down. He's been the most reliable pitcher <laughs> in baseball, certainly the most reliable ace in baseball, so I, it, it, it's, it just fits in with the theme of undue negativity here to to criticize Cole for that. But it is something that's happening, and at least keep an eye on it. Bryce Elder was awesome at the Miami Marlins. He went seven shutout with six strikeouts in that start. He now has four scoreless starts in six tries this season. He's up to slider usage this year. I don't think there's any type of ace outcome here, Scott, but in the same way that, like, Martin Perez and Merrill Kelly just kind of worked their way up to being top 50 or top 40 starting pitchers last season. I could mm-hmm. see the same thing working out for Bryce Elder, obviously assuming he continues to pitch like this. I could see that happening. I would bet against it right now. And I think we've turned a corner with Bryce Elder where we've gone from, yeah, take a shot at him. Take a shot on him. Maybe this could continue. Maybe he could turn into a useful option for you. To now, okay, he has a 175 ERA uh, after six starts, you know? And yet, he entered today's game, Bryce Elder, with an expected ERA over five. Oof. Wow. Expected ERA is pretty good at explaining what's already happened. There can be pitchers, there can, there can be cases of, of, of pitchers or any any kind of player who just doesn't isn't in line with expected stats for whatever reason it just doesn't measure what he contributes well but those are going to be rare cases they're going to be exceptions and so for any one pitcher over a sample this small if the disparity is that great I'm going to bet against it doesn't mean you need to release Bryce Elder that would be crazy no. but shop him around He's got a 175 ERA. Who knows? While we're talking about shopping around, two names that I want to throw your way. Anthony DeScalfani threw a gem at the Astros. Eight shutout with three strikeouts in that one. And Graham Ashcraft turned in another quality start at the Padres. Six innings, one run, three strikeouts. He has allowed two earned runs or fewer in all six starts this season. You recently mentioned Graham Ashcraft as a sell high. Uh, I'm assuming that hasn't changed. What about someone like Anthony DeScalfani as well? So Anthony Desclafani, similar to Bryce Elder, 
213 ERA. He entered the start with a 450 expected ERA. Graham Ashcraft, let's do the same with him because what, what all these three have in common is they're not, they don't have the big bat missing arsenal. Yep. Uh, so Graham Ashcraft, not quite as extreme. He has an even two ERA. He entered this start with a 389 expected ERA. But of the three, Graham Ashcraft's the one who struggles with walks. So that's another reason to maybe play it safe with him. Like, I, I liked all three of these pitchers, I think, above the consensus, uh, certainly in the case of Ashcraft and Descalfani coming into the year. In the case of Elder, when he first entered the rotation, I think I was giving him more credit than most people. But again, if, if expected ERA is going to be this unreliable, then it just needs to go away. So if <laughs> it's proven to be reliable in the past, if we <laughs> believe in, in, in that, and if we believe it's a legitimate resource, then we should believe that in the cases of Elder, Ashcraft, and Desclafani, they're, they're not going to be able to continue to outperform it by that much. And so it's a good time to shop him, shop them, provided you get an upgrade for it. Like that's the whole point of shopping them. Just to remind everybody, it's not to play hot potato with them, get them off your roster. It's to take advantage of their gains before the stock drops again. Yeah, I mean, I think the names that stand out most, right, The like Chris Sales, Nick Lodolos of the world, if you can turn any of those pitchers we just talked about into, you know, Sale or Lodolo, would you do it? Yeah. I would trade any of those three that we just mentioned for either Lodolo or Sale, especially Sale. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you as well. Uh, two other pitchers. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, especially Lodolo. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you don't agree with me anymore. Um, no, I, I just meant that I agree in general that I would look to buy okay. on on both those two names. Um, okay. Two final pitchers here that looked great on Tuesday night. Freddie Peralta in Coors Field. Six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts for him. 25 swinging strikes on 94 pitcher, pitches. And then Julio Arias, dominant up against the Phillies. Seven innings, only one hit allowed, one run, 10 strikeouts with 16 swinging strikes. Anything on those two, Scott Peralta and Arias? Well, I will say that now Freddie Peralta has as many six-inning starts, I believe, already this year as he did last year, four. So the fact he had 25 whiffs in this start, I, at Coors Field, no less, is very impressive. He did give up 10 base runners, and the ERA and whip are higher than you might think they are for Freddie Peralta. But overall, it's been a, and it's been a nice investment for you, and it seems to be getting better. Arias bounced back from a couple of rocky starts with maybe his best of the year, as you pointed out, Frank. So no worries with him. Any concerns with Sandy Alcantara, Scott? He has only thrown more than six innings once in six starts so far this season. Uh, I know he was dealing with some kind of injury. What was it, Scott? Do you remember off the top of your head? Alcantara? I don't. He was dealing with something, but maybe... I don't know. Maybe it's just affecting him right now. Five innings, three runs, three walks, five strikeouts. And what I've noticed most about Alcantara is um, the swinging strike rate is a career high, yet his K rate is a four-year low. So I brought this up last time he started, and I think he's been unlucky. And I, I think he's a buy low right now. You know, there's some things that are in his control that he hasn't done well, like the walks are way up this year compared to last year. He's allowing more hard contact. So I do worry a little bit about those things, but 
I really like the fact that the swinging strike rate is a career high right now for Sandy Alcantara. It was bicep tendonitis. That's not great. No, it's not. But he was cleared, and his velocity was fine. Yeah, I see him as a pretty obvious buy low candidate at this point. So, yeah, I agree. Okay. A few hitting leftovers here. Ryan Mountcastle went three for six with a double dong, five RBI. And we spoke about him maybe the first week or two of the season and brought him up as a potential breakout this year. He is still crushing the ball. 93 mile per hour, average exit velocity, a 15% barrel rate. I know the ballpark doesn't do him any favors there, but I kind of like it. The strikeout rate is down this year too for Ryan Mountcastle. So, I mean, since it's a more favorable hitting environment league-wide, then then maybe Camden Yards is like going to suppress his power as much as it did a year ago. Uh, let's see. What are his expected home runs versus actual home runs? Uh, yeah, it's it's not like it's... There, there are parks where he has fewer expected home runs than Baltimore this year, including Milwaukee, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. So it, it hasn't, it, at least so far this year, with the kind of contact that Ryan Mountcastle has made, Camden Yards and that deep left field fence hasn't hurt him. And hopefully, hopefully that's going to lead to good things. A huge game for Anthony Volpe on Tuesday, two for four with a sock and two shoes. Uh, he's up to his third home run, his 10th steal, uh, 10th steal of the season. And since his first opportunity to lead off the last 20 games for Volpe, he is batting 375, three homers, seven steals, 11 walks, with a 91 mile per hour average exit velocity. Great stuff from him. Masataka Yoshida stays hot two for three with his fifth home run, and that was a lefty on lefty that came off of Yusei Kikuchi. Adley Rutschman, four for five with two doubles, a walk, three runs scored. He is up to a 315 batting average on the season. Christian Walker went two for five with his fifth home run, slowly coming around, multiple hits in three of his last four games. Tyro Estrada, completely wrong about so far on my end. I had him as a bust this year. Uh, Two for three with two walks and his ninth stolen base. He's batting 342 with a 911 OPS. He's been great. And Scott, hopefully a sign of things to come, maybe finally starting to get healthy. Our guy, mostly your guy, Miguel Vargas. Four for five with three doubles. Please, I have quite a few shares, so let's let's. So ride. do I. Let's ride yeah, the momentum. Hopefully, hopefully this is the start of the turnaround for Miguel Vargas, whose hitting track record in the minors is just unimpeachable. And, you know, a lot of people have been like, oh, all he does is walk. Why are we bothering with him? Well, I think the fact that he has exhibited such good plate discipline in his first look around the league shows that he's not being overmatched here. And, uh, and, and yeah, the hitting track record, I think, will eventually come through for him if that's the case. And hopefully this four-hit game is the start of it. I also wanted to point out with Masataka Yoshida, uh, a player who I did not give much credence to coming into the year. Uh, he's somebody I had to move way up with this latest rankings update. 12-game hitting streak now for Masataki Yoshida. He's batting 435 with four home runs. That 12-game hitting streak. Only six strikeouts mm-hmm. during that stretch as well. His ground ball rate for the season is near 60%, which is kind of untenable unless you're just going to be a batting average specialist. 
but during this 12 game hit streak, it's down to more like 50%, which is still high, but it's, it is tenable. Yeah. I was going to, the power is playing better than I thought it would. And he's actually stolen a couple bases, which is not, not even something he really did in Japan. That's the point I was going to make about this recent stretch for Yoshida is I remember two weeks ago, it was like 70%. So the fact that the ground ball rate is down to 60 tells me that, you know, overall during this stretch, he is, uh, he's getting the launch angle up, which is a good thing. The call to the bullpen, a few updates here for Tampa Bay. We know that Pete Fairbanks is currently dealing with that Raynaud syndrome. Jason Adam allowed a hit, but struck out the side for his first save of the season. He's 20% rostered if you're chasing saves. For the Nationals, Kyle Finnegan allowed a hit, but picked up his sixth save. For the Red Sox, I mentioned this earlier, Josh Winkowski picked up his first save of the season. For the Rangers, Will Smith allowed a hit and a walk, but recorded the final four outs and his fourth save. He has the last three saves overall for the Rangers. And for the Rockies, Pierce Johnson allowed a hit, but struck out one for his fourth save. Scott, what do you think happens here with Daniel Bard? Because it feels like they're not using him in high leverage situations. And uh, for the time being, I guess it's still Pierce Johnson's job. Yeah, I was... A little surprised to see him get the save. It was his first save since Bard returned. Bard has yet to allow a run in four appearances, but his average fastball velocity is down three miles per hour wow. from a year ago. And it's clear from this, from Johnson getting the save here on Tuesday, that the the Rockies don't have full confidence in Bard yet. I think in, if I had to predict today, Bard would be the team leader for the entire season. So in, in leagues where saves are scarce, I think you hold on to them. But in shallow leagues where you can find replacement safe sources off the waiver wire, Bart doesn't have much value at this point. Mm-hmm. And then the regulars for the Giants, Camilo Duvall picked up his fourth save for the Mariners. Paul Sewald picked up his eighth and for the Reds, Alexis Diaz got his fifth save of the season. So, I'm just realizing now that I didn't write down names for to stream or not to stream. So you know what, Scott? <sighs> Some people are going to get very excited because we're going retro. I'm just going to have to oh, read yeah. you a bunch of names and you tell me yes or no. Are we streaming these guys? Let's start with Wednesday. Are the Mets ever going to play again? Like <laughs> All of their games have been getting rained out recently, uh, but they've got another doubleheader on Wednesday. Hopefully they play those games. Uh, Joey Lucchese at the Tigers. It's very risky, but... If you're if you're desperate, you could do it. Brandon fought in his debut at the Rangers. I'd rather not have the I mean, we just saw how Bryce Bryce uh I'm forgetting his name now. Bryce Miller. We just saw how his debut went, but the Rangers lineup very different from the A's. So I'd rather give Fott a chance to to show what he could do before sticking him in my lineup. Gavin Stone up against the Phillies in his debut. Yeah, same thing for him. Rather uh, not. Look at this early slate of games on Wednesday, man. Fought at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Gavin Stone at 4. Oof, jam-packed day. Uh, Seth Lugo going up against the Reds. I will say that's pretty good. Braxton Garrett versus the Braves. No. Okay. Who is Jake Irvin? I don't know, but he is starting for the Nationals. Uh, Louis Varland at the White Sox. Yeah, Varland's kind of interesting, and the White Sox are a favorable matchup. And, and he's this isn't his debut. He, we saw him make a start earlier this year, and it went very well. 
So I kind of like that one. Not as much as as uh, Seth Lugo, but probably second in priority here Wednesday. Kyle Gibson at the Royals. Yeah, that's good. J.P. Sears at home against the Mariners. I'd rather not. And then on Thursday, I don't know if Eduardo Rodriguez is available in enough leagues, but he's at home against the Mets. What do you think? Nah. Well, that's a little too dismissive the way he's pitched recently, <laughs> but it's... Uh, I guess it's okay. I'm not thrilled with it, though. Vince Velasquez at the Rays. He's pitched well recently, but not against the Rays. I don't think I could do it either. Uh, Griffin Canning at the Cardinals. Yes. I say yes. Uh, mm, I lean no, but you could do worse. Uh, Well, Wade Miley is widely available, but he's at Coors Field, so I assume that is a no. And the last one is Brian Bayo at home against the Blue Jays. Not for me. All right, so Thursday, not a great streaming day. Make sure you get them in on Wednesday. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazons of the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.